Hello, everyone, and welcome back to On Deck with Josh. I'm your host, Josh, and I'm excited to get started in today's episode. If you did not listen to the last episode, which happens to be the introduction to this podcast, go ahead and check it out, guys. I talk about who I am, what this podcast is all about, why I'm doing it, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, one thing I do want to mention that I talked about in last episode uh, is pretty much the noise. You're going to hear a lot of noise in the background, and that's because I'm in my car. I'm just a casual fan that wants to talk baseball and softball, fast pitch softball. And so I'm in my car driving. Um, so, yeah, if you hear a lot of noise, I apologize. But, you know, I'm not a professional writer or anything. So uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, we have a topic that we're going to be talking about today in this episode, and that is Trevor Bauer. Yes, I know mass majority of you already know that he signed with the Dodgers, but I want to get into a little bit of detail or depth as to what that means for a few teams in baseball. So jumping right into it, Trevor Bauer, as we know, signed with the LA Dodgers, um, and it did take everyone by surprise. A lot of us believed uh, the, the leak that came out that he was going to go to the Mets. I believed in myself. I'm not going to lie. But um, it just happened to be an, a mistake. You know, it was an accidental leak. Uh, long story short, Trevor Bauer, he himself didn't even know who he was going to end up with, at least according to him. And so he kind of just put a bunch of merchandise out there and hats to be prepared for when he did make a decision. Uh, he could, I, I guess he could just be selling his, his merchandise already. I'm not 100% sure how it happened, but you know, he did go out and he said sorry to all the Mets fans because it was not his intention uh, to try to troll them or, or you know, make them believe that he was going to go out there and say, whoop, just kidding. That wasn't his his goal. Um, it just kind of turned out the way it did, and now he's with L.A. So a uh, little bit of details, three years, $102 million for those three years. That's pretty big money. Um, and a lot of us know this, but if you didn't know, a lot of owners in MLB, uh, probably in other sports too, but I'm not even focusing on the other sports. They like to back end or back load the contracts. So as an example, say you get a three-year deal, they'll give you 10 million one year. And then the next it's 13 million. The, the year after that is 15 million. You know, they kind of do that uh, for salary cap purposes and so that they can work around it and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it's, it's business. At the end of the day, it's business. Um, and they got to deal with numbers and a salary cap. So it kind of all makes sense, um, you know, why they do that. Uh, but with Trevor Bauer, for some reason, they kind of front-loaded or front-ended, or I don't know the right term, the contract. So instead, he's going to be getting $40 million for 2021, $45 million for 2022, and only $17 million for 2023, which is pretty darn crazy. Let's get into details real quick. So 40 million for 2021, that's pretty much said and done. It's there's no gray, there's no black, it's straightforward. And 40 million is a big amount of money, uh, especially for one year, you know. Uh, but what's really crazy about this contract is that he has player options for 2022 and 2023, meaning at the end of every year of this contract, he can opt out if he wanted to. Why is that crazy? Trevor Bauer is known for having one-year deals. Um, I could be wrong, but I want to say, if not all, 
of his contracts, at least mass majority of his contracts have been one year deals. And it's been like that for so long to the point where he even made a bet with somebody saying that if he ever got a multi-year deal, he was going to take a shot from a paintball gun right to his testicles. So if, Hey, Trevor, if you're a real dude, you got to go through with your bet, man. But anyway, so it kind of gives him a little bit of leverage as to whether or not he wants to stick around with the Dodgers. He says he wants to go with the Dodgers because he wants to win a world championship. And I don't blame him. You know, if you want to win a ring and the team that just won the, the, the ring is still an elite team, why not join them? You know, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Uh, the thing is, though, that he did grow up a Dodgers fan, or at least he would go to their games. So it makes sense. It's not just about not being able to beat them and joining them kind of thing, but also, like he mentioned himself, the history that was there. He would go watch the games, and he's only pitched at Dodger Stadium once, he said. I think he said in 2015. So it's pretty cool uh, to know um, that he's going to be pitching for a team that he really wants to wanted to pitch for. Um, but going back to what I was talking about, the contract. So it's pretty cool because the $40 million for 2021, he's going to play there all season, of course. 2022, I personally do not see him opting out. I see him collecting the 45 and sticking around with the Dodgers, especially if they're still a contending team, which I don't see them, you know, getting any worse in the near future. So I see him sticking around for that too. However, in 2023, if the Dodgers for some reason start going the opposite way as far as their winning uh, tendencies per se, um, or for some reason there's a feud inside the clubhouse or something, not only can he opt out after the 2022 season, if he decides to stick around and the Dodgers are like, you know what, we suck, or there's no way we're going to afford them to extend them, they can trade him. If I'm not mistaken, there was no, no trade clause. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. If I do say anything that I'm incorrect, I am man enough to admit that I made a mistake. So go ahead and shoot me an email on deck with Josh at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to correct me, or if you simply want to share your thoughts, go ahead. I'll be more than happy to read it and, and, and converse with you, you know, and interact. That's fine with me. Uh, but anyway, getting back into it, guys, 17 million for 2023. If he was to stay with the club and then later on in that season, they decide, you know what, let's just move him. It is going to be extremely easy if he does not have a no trade clause that is of course because 17 million for a player like him number one it's affordable for pretty much any team in MLB the only reason I say pretty much is because teams that are doing terrible probably wouldn't go for him even though he's inexpensive um but you know contending teams would and in return the Dodgers can get a big return whether it's you know, minor league prospects, or if it's like MLB ready kind of pitchers or, or, you know, players in general. So that's pretty smart. I actually like it. The Dodgers were very smart. Um, you know, I think the luxury tax is probably going to hit them a little bit, but hey, they want to win championships and who can blame them? At this point, this team that they have right now, extending Mookie Betts was a big deal, of course. They can probably three-peat. I think they can three-peat if they stay healthy and they try to retain as many players that they have right now. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Trevor Bauer himself. Do I think that the Dodgers overpaid him? The answer is yes. 
do I think he's worth that kind of money? The answer is maybe. So the reason I say maybe, okay, first of all, the Dodgers overpaid him simply because did they really need him? No, they didn't really need Trevor Bauer. They grabbed them to prove a point. San Diego Padres had been doing moves left and right, left and right. Padres are in it to win it, man. They want to fight. They want to hunt down the Dodgers and finally get over that hill, get over that hump. And how can they do that by making big moves? So then the Dodgers said, hey, we can make big moves too. And they went out and they got Trevor Bauer. They did not necessarily need him though. So yes, Dodgers overpaid him. Definitely. But is he worth that kind of money? I'm going to say maybe, and I'm going to tell you why in just a second. But anyway, back to Trevor Bauer. He is a great pitcher. I don't want to say he's an elite pitcher just yet because he's only had two elite seasons in his career. Other than those two, he has been above average, if not slightly above average. I am not knocking him down in any way, shape, or form. I just think there are other pitchers that are probably better than him in general. Um, I would say at least 10. He would be in my top 20 as of today. If he continues to be, you know, to have the same season like he did in 2020, golly, he'd go way up there. But as of right now, he'd be in my top 20, not in my top 10. That's my personal opinion, guys. Again, this is an opinion-based show. Um Anyway, he has a career ERA, and I know a lot of us do not really care about ERA anymore. I do. I still think it's a big thing. Um, No, it's not the most important thing, but I do think it's important. And he has a career ERA of 3.9. A 390 ERA is good. It is not great. Um, But even then, in his career, he has struck out a ton of people. He's known for striking out people, but he's also known for giving up a lot of home runs. So, It just depends. I mean, if he gives up solo homers here and there, it's not a big deal. But if he gives up a ton of, say, three runs or even grand slams, then it can get him into some trouble. But anyway, so now with Trevor Bauer, this is what the Dodgers starting pitching looks like projected for 2021. You got Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler. You cannot go wrong putting them one and two, guys. You can switch them however you want. Walker Buehler, Kershaw, or Kershaw Buehler. And then you got Bauer. Julio Urias, you got David Price, and Dustin May. Personally, I'd probably put May above Price and have Price be my long relief, but hey, you you can play with these guys however you want, man. That's a, a great rotation. You know, projecting-wise, uh, Fangraphs is projecting that Kershaw, Bueller, and Bauer are all going to have an ERA right around the three-and-a-half mark that they each should pitch at about 170 innings, and all three will have 100 or more strikeouts in 2021. Those numbers are phenomenal, and you can have three. If you can have three of your pitchers get those numbers, there's no way you are not going to win your division. I'm sorry. Well, then again, there are the Padres, but we'll get into that more in a little bit. And then let's look at their bullpen. The Dodgers, they have Gonzalez. I could be saying that wrong, guys, so I apologize. But you have Gratterall, you got Jensen, and I know Jensen can be a little shaky, but he's still pretty darn solid back there in the, as the closer. And if Joe Kelly 
if Joe Kelly can pitch the way he did last season, yes, it was a shortened season, but still, if he can pitch anywhere close to that and maybe just – he definitely has to subtract the walks. He was walking way too many people. But if he could pitch that, if Trainin can repeat what he did with Oakland when he was a beast, Kolarek, if he can repeat what he did last season, if Knebel, who they just picked up, the Dodgers, can pitch similar to his 2017-2018 season, if he could even get close to that, guys, because in 2017, the guy was an animal. 18, he was extremely good. But 17 was just phenomenal for Knebel. If those four guys can be slightly above average, and Gonzalez, Gratteron, Jansen be elite, it is going to be extremely hard to dethrone the Dodgers, honestly. But Bauer, on, like I said, I, I already mentioned the starting pitching, the, the rotation, Kershaw, Bueller, Urias, Price, and May, and that's without Bauer. They don't necessarily need Bauer, but I'm sure they did it to prove a point. How did this affect MLB or other MLB teams? Well, let's talk about the Mets. As I mentioned, a lot of us, including myself, thought he was going to New York. This is what would have been the rotation had he gone to the Mets. It would have been DeGrom, Bauer, Carrasco, Stroman, and Peterson. That's in 2021 without Syndergaard because of Tommy John surgery, in case you didn't know. So he may come back in 2021 very late in the season. Um, Probably not. If he doesn't come in 2021, then he'll be good for 2022, which I didn't want to include him. But, hey, if you want to, look, you got DeGrom, Syndergaard, Bauer, Carrasco, Stroman, Peterson. That is a great starting rotation as well. And their bullpen. The Mets have a pretty solid bullpen as well. At least it has a lot of potential. You got Edwin Diaz, Dylan Betances, former Yankee, Juris Familia, Aaron Loop, and Seth Lugo. You know, that that bullpen has potential if everyone pitches slightly above average. They don't even have to be elite or great. As long as they're good, their rotation can carry that team. And then, of course, they picked up Francisco Lindor. Great pickup. They finally got a a solid shortstop that they need. And and Lindor is going to fit right in, whether he's batting second or third. I mean, the guy is amazing. Uh, he's pretty good defensively. I wouldn't say he's the best, but he's pretty good. Um, and then, of course, his bat is just great. So, you know, this is what I project the NL East to be. Um, I still have the Braves, number one. I have the Mets, number two. The Nationals, number three. Phillies, number four. And the Marlins in last place. I know the Marlins made the playoffs last season, but last season was just crazy. It was a crazy season. Um, and Marlins got rid of some of their better players, <laughs> uh, which is kind of weird. But anyway, that's the Marlins. Uh, the Phillies, I don't see them any better than last season. I'm sorry, but I just don't. Nationals did get a tiny bit better, but the moves that the Mets made, especially with Francisco Lindor, have made them better than the Nationals. So, yeah, I think the Mets are going to win a wild card spot. One or two, but they're going to win one of those. I see them going into the playoffs. That's my personal opinion. Now, another team that got affected was the Angels. Obviously, Angels needed Bauer. See, I forgot to mention this part about the Mets. Had Mets gotten Bauer, they would have overpaid him as well. Simply because that rotation 
this season without Syndergaard, yes, you can make the case that they need Bauer. After the next or after the 2021 season, do they need Bauer? You can make an argument and say they don't. In fact, now that they don't have Bauer, they're trying to go after Jake Odorizzi, which would fit perfect with this rotation. And he's even less than half the amount of Bauer. Well, I'm talking AAV right now. Probably about half of what Bauer is getting. So, you know, the Mets don't necessarily need Bauer. If they would have gotten him, they would have for sure overpaid. Then they go to the, let's talk about the Angels. This is what would have been their rotation had they signed Bauer. They would have had Bauer as the ace, Andrew Heaney, Dylan Bundy, Jose Quintana, Griffin Canning, and then Otani would have been the number six pitcher, um, probably pitching Sundays only. Uh, But you know what? That sounds like a good rotation, honestly. It's still not a great rotation. Bauer would have done well, sure. But Andrew Heaney, in my opinion, is overrated. I'm not saying he sucks. I never said that. I just think he's overrated. He is not an ace pitcher. And right now that Angels do not have him, this is what the rotation looks like. Andrew Heaney, Dylan Bundy, Jose Quintana, Alex Cobb. Remember, Angels got Cobb once they pretty much gave up on Bauer. Griffin Canning and Otani. Heaney as an ace, your rotation is no good. Uh, Heaney is a good, say, three-starter, maybe four-starter. If he was with the Dodgers, he'd be under Dustin May, guaranteed. You know, Dylan Bundy did a great job last season. Can he repeat that? I don't know. I don't see it just because I look at career numbers as well, and I know he was in Baltimore, but, hey, you just never know. Hopefully he proves me wrong, right? Hopefully he proves me wrong. Jose Quintana was really good when he was with the White Sox, and then he went up north to play with Chicago Cubs, and his career just changed. He just wasn't the same. Um, Cobb, same thing. Tampa Bay, he was pretty solid. Goes to Baltimore, and he's he's terrible. Griffin Canning, I love Griffin Canning. I think he's going to be very, very, very solid as he gets older. Um, he's still pretty young and he's new. Um, but, you know, he's only played two seasons, and I can see improvement already. And he's a, he's a fighter. He's like a Garrett Richards, former Angel kind of pitcher. He just goes in there and attacks the strike zone. I like him. And then there's Otani, who can be elite, but he's been having trouble staying healthy. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, maybe he pitches once a month. You know, maybe he pitches once every two weeks. I don't know how they're going to handle it. I'm assuming Sundays, just like they were trying to do last season. Uh, but we'll see, man. He needs to stay healthy. That's for sure. I don't even want Otani to be great. I just want him to stay healthy. That's what I want. We need him in the lineup as well. Anyway, that's me being an Angels fan, but I'm trying to be unbiased here, guys. Let's look at the Angels bullpen. The Angels bullpen has... Iglesias, who they just got from um, Cincinnati, which was a great pickup. Mayers, who I honestly, he proved me wrong. I thought he was going to suck, but he did very, very good last season. Uh, Felix Pena, who's pretty darn solid. He's not the best or greatest, but he's pretty good. He's pretty good and versatile. Uh, Ty Buttry, who's a roller coaster. He can be really good or he can be very crappy. Uh, Claudio, former Rangers. That's how I know him. Um, I think that's a good pickup. I like that one. And then there's Sluggers, who they just picked up from Tampa Bay. If I'm saying it wrong, I, I, I'm i sorry. I'm probably butchering it. But Sluggers did very good for the uh, the Rays last season. So hopefully he continues that trend and he just gets better. He just gets better. 
Um, I still think the Angels need one more arm at least to say that their bullpen is good. Because right now their bullpen's not bad. I actually kind of like the bullpen. Um, I just need everybody to be, you know, a little bit above average and produce, especially Iglesias. Angels have not had a solid, solid closer. Like they get a closer who does very good in one season, and then the very next season he's just terrible. And it's been happening with Brian Fuentes, with – um. Oh, man, I can't even talk right now. But it's almost like it's a trend with the Angels pitching. Like, they get good when they show up in Anaheim, and they either get extended or when they get a full season, they start doing crap. And that's what sucks about the Angels' bullpen. But if they can at least produce to be a little bit above average, I'd be more than happy as a fan, and I think obviously a lot of Angels fans would too. But I do think they need at least one more arm in that bullpen, someone like, say, a Trevor Rosenthal, someone who's pretty darn straightforward, strong, and, and just attacks the strike zone. Uh, Rosenthal would fit perfect in that bullpen, in my opinion. Um, so the lineup for the Angels, however, even with Bauer, the lineup would have been a problem. The Angels lineup is not good. It's decent at best. They have weak corner outfields. Justin Upton doesn't produce. His defense is getting worse every season. His arm isn't as strong. His legs seem like they're giving out just for some reason. When he's batting, he can run, but when he's playing defense, he can't. It's weird. Trout's getting a little bit older, so his speed did come down a bit. Um, He's not a weakness, though. I do think eventually he'll either have to move to left or right field uh, in the near future. Um, but, you know, as of today, the corner outfield for the Angels is weak. In right field, you have either Joe Adele, John Jay, who they just signed, uh, Lugares, and then there's Dexter Fowler, which I loved Fowler. I just don't see him as a starter. You know what I mean? So you got four guys that are going to battle it out for right field, and not one of them can you actually see as a starter. Joe Adele's too young. He needs to stay in the minors a little bit longer. He needs to stop striking out so much and learn when to swing. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> this is me talking as a fan because I know I'm a whole lot worse. But anyway, so back to Trevor Bauer. Had Angels signed him in that particular situation, would he have been overpaid? No, because the Angels need him. Angels needed a Trevor Bauer, and they were desperate. Angel fans were desperate. Angels, as an organization, desperately needs pitching. And if the pitching is there, they should have done it. They should have gotten Bauer. I don't care about his situation with Mickey Calloway. Mickey Calloway might even get fired because of the allegations with women and all that stuff, uh, which I don't want to get into that. That's a whole other topic. But what I'm trying to get at is now because of you listening to your pitching coach and their feud between Mickey Calloway and um, – and Trevor Bauer, now you may not even get any of them. So, I don't know. I think Angels made a huge mistake by pulling out and whatever. I mean, even if Angels never pulled out, but Bauer chose Dodgers, at least you can say that Angels didn't beat themselves. You know what I mean? Them pulling out, that, that's quitting. But anyway, um, see, I'm kind of ranting as a fan, and I'm trying not to, guys. I apologize. But anyway, moving on. Another team that it affected is the Padres. No, the Padres weren't necessarily in on Bauer, at least I don't think, but it it just made the rivalry even hotter between the Padres and the Dodgers. As I mentioned earlier, 
The Padres have been making a lot of moves. They got you Darvish, Blake Snell. Obviously, they already had LeMay, but they got Joe Musgrove. And then Chris Paddock's going to have, hopefully, a better season. They got that Adrian Morejo guy. Their rotation is pretty solid, and you can match it up against the Dodgers rotation and kind of flip-flop into saying who's better. It's it's really, really, really tight. Um, and their bullpen, I want to say the Dodgers bullpen is a little bit more reliable. That's, that's just my opinion. Um, but the Padres bullpen isn't bad. They got Drew Pomerantz, which is a great pickup uh, from last season. I I think that was amazing. Pagan, Johnson, Adams, Stammen. You know, if they can produce a little if even if they're average, average bullpen, all they need is a rotation to, to do their thing and go deep in innings, and in deep in games, I'm sorry. With the rotation going deep in games, you just need an average bullpen, and you will win, win games. So... I think the bullpen goes to the Dodgers. Starting rotation, I lean a little bit more towards the Padres. Just a little bit. But honestly, it will depend on you, Darvish. If Darvish is going to be lights out, amazing pitcher status, I give it to them because Blake Snell is amazing. LeMay had a great season. Musgrove is underrated. Paddock had a terrible season last season. But generally speaking, he is pretty darn solid. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Obviously, if you feel like I'm wrong, talk to me about it. I want to hear what you think. Uh, but I think if the Padres starters go deep into every game, um, they have a chance. They have a chance to win the NLS. They do. Uh, but obviously, everyone needs to stay healthy and produce. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Uh, but, you know, aside from pitching, the lineups are pretty solid and close as well. You know, let's let's compare them, Padres and Dodgers. You got the Padres with Grisham, Tatis Jr., Machado, Hosmer, Pham, Myers, Cronenworth, and Nola. And then the Dodgers have Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Max Muncy, um, what's his name, Smith. I can't think of his first name. Why? Why can I not remember his first name? Um, but anyway, they got Smith, Bellinger, Pollock, um, Rios. The third baseman, that guy has a lot of power. He's only seen some MLB time because of uh, Justin Turner taking up third base. But that Rios guy has a lot of power. Uh, and then they got Chris Taylor, who's very versatile. I love Taylor. I used to watch him. with He was in Seattle. Uh, obviously, when I, as an Angels fan, I would see him. But anyway, the, the lineup is the same situation as the rotation. You can kind of go one way, kind of go another way. Um, I personally want to lean a little bit towards the Dodgers on the lineup part, uh, but it really just depends on Eric Hosmer for me uh, and Will Myers. If Hosmer, you don't need the guy to hit 40 home runs, as long as he's hitting for a good average, especially with people on scoring position and he drives in runs, that's what you need Hosmer to do. And then, of course, good defense. And then Will Myers, same situation. You know, if if both of them are only getting their 15 homers and say like 50 RBIs, they're not really doing their job. We need both of them. Not we, but the Padres need both of those guys to be knocking in runs. Uh, Will Smith was the guy I was talking about, by the way. I couldn't remember his first name for some odd reason. I don't know. But anyway, so that's what I wanted to talk about today. The Trevor Bauer effect. Obviously, it affected the Dodgers in the sense that they got better. Um, though they overpaid him, 
didn't necessarily need him, it does make him a better team, especially because he's going to be pitching in a pitcher's ballpark instead of over in Cincinnati at the great American ballpark where even I can hit home runs. And yes, I am totally lying. I cannot hit home runs. Even if I juiced up, I probably barely sneak it over with the help of Jose Canseco's head. Um, <laughs> terrible joke. Anyway, uh, it affected the Mets. Obviously it affected the angels and especially their fans. Um, it kind of makes me think, what does Mike Trout think now? Like what runs in his head after knowing the angels got all these, you know, has beens per se, as far as, you know, the lineup with, uh, the right field situation. And then the pitching, they're getting Alex Cobb and, Jose Quintana, you know, pretty decent four or five pitchers, but not anything up top, which is what you really need. Uh, but at least you can make an argument that their bullpen is a whole lot better. I can I can live with that if they pick up one or two more arms, man. Just do that. Uh, but anyway, and then it obviously affected the Padres in the sense that they are going to be going toe-to-toe um, with their rotation and with their lineup and even the bullpens. Uh, you can make that argument. So anyway, guys, that's all I have for today. It was fun. Um, I cannot wait for this season, this season to get started. And uh, man, I, I still have Dodgers winning it all. But if there is a team that can dethrone them, um, I think it could be the Padres. I think so. They're going to have to get over that hump, that hill. Uh, but that's probably the one team I think has the potential to do so. Um, but another team I do think has potential as well as the Braves. The Braves have a really, really deep um, uh, roster. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, they blew a 3-1 lead last season, one win away from going to the World Series. So, yeah, those are the, the three teams to watch in the NL, to be honest. I want to throw in the Mets as well. So those four teams are the teams to watch in the NL. Um, it's going to be fun. But thank you guys for joining me, and we will see you next time.